Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Good morning. So good to be here with you guys. It really has been an amazing weekend. Before we get going, oh, you took the wrong book. Can I have that book? I have something marked in that book. Thank you. Just really quick, uh, can I see the hands of those that were here this weekend really quick? I would love to just call someone up just for a few minutes. If there, if you encountered um, Jesus in a new way, you saw something new about him, um, I'd love to just have you come up and just share that. Is there anyone there out there that's willing to, to do that? I just saw, okay, come on up. Big on the testimony, just like Casey said, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Every time someone releases a testimony about something Jesus did, they're actually releasing him. It's his nature that's being released. When someone gets healed and they release a, a testimony about healing, they're saying this is who he is. And that actually is what releases faith for others to get healed. It's the person of Jesus, not just what he did. We focus so much on what he did. It's him. He is healing. He is freedom. He is peace. He is mercy. He is. Amen. So when the testimony is released, we're, we're releasing the person of Jesus. He rides on that wave of the testimony. First and foremost, I want to give him the glory. Um, I, st I stood here in the morning yesterday, but then the Lord confirmed it with the book. Um, Friday night when I came here first, they prayed that we would have visions and dreams. Mine wasn't the common one. It was the slides of my life. Um, and I'm not going to get into detail of all the slides, but there was a particular one that really touched my heart. And I really wish there was more youth in this house. And I think that you guys should do it again with, with this room filled with youth because that's where it begins, the identity that the enemy wants to steal from us when we're young. And, and the Lord took me to the time when I was 10. Jesus was there. I was 10. And I was taken to, to, by my mother into a, a witchcraft room. And, 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 and the lady, the witch, I remember her face, not from then, but the Lord showed me like I was watching what was going on. And the lady said to me, said to my mom, get her out of here because she has a hedge of protection of four corners and she's like a sponge and, and, and I can't have her here, get her out. And that sowed a seed in me, rejection that hurt me for years. But then Jesus showed me that he was there and that the protection that I had was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the worrying angels. Then last night I went home to read and I began to read the book. And I turned to page 11. And when I was in page 11, it says, seers are prophets with the gift of discernment. So when you have children who are seers, they absorb everything like a sponge. And I spoke that in the morning. And I read it in the book. And see, it wasn't a question about me loving Jesus. That wasn't what was wrong with me. It's about identifying how much he loved me. 
and that he was there the whole time. See, sometimes we say we, we know we love him, but we don't know how much he loves us. And that's my testimony, that I know today how much he loves me and he calls me daughter. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, man. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And you know what I want to do really quick? Um, I'm actually going to talk a little bit out of something that I, I talk about in my book. Um, but before we, there's two things I want to do before that. Hold on. I got this phone that needs your face now. Oh, hold on. I actually want to read what PG was talking about earlier. Um, it, it was interesting because I was asking the Lord something one morning last week. And um, it wasn't even actually about money. Uh, we're going to several places this summer. Seems like everywhere we're about to go, there's incredible warfare. I mean, we have one place we're going, um, the largest church in this area. They have such a fear of the prophetic. And um, some of the leaders were really announcing what we were doing when we were coming. And they were reprimanded by the leadership and uh, created some controversy. And the leaders actually told them, you can't do this and be here. So they resigned. They resigned the church, and a whole bunch of people resigned with them over the topic of the prophetic because they have such a fear around the prophetic. And I'm like, God, and, and this is what I was actually talking to him uh, about and asking him some questions. I'm, and, you know, honestly, that doesn't bother me. I, my favorite thing is to go in and blow up religious spirits because I, I just feel like that thing steals from the church. I hate it. I hate fear, which is a cousin of the religious spirit. I hate it. But I just want to read this to you, and I'm not going to talk about this today. I just want to kind of give you a little nugget to think about. He said, people have a hard time with receiving money for the prophetic because they consider it holy. And it, it is holy, right? Amen. We all agree. Do you guys agree? The voice of God is holy. The prophetic ministry is holy. But he said this. He said, unknowingly, they think that prophetic ministry is more holy than any other calling. That's not true. It is not true. He said, they misunderstand me. It is all holy. He said, not one thing is more holy than the other. Anything that is done through me is holy. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He is holy. Anything that he fills, anything we do in alignment and agreement with him is holy. Amen. Anything he does, and I use the example of a doctor, and this goes with any profession. We're all called to work in agreement and in alignment with Holy Spirit. Whether you're called to be a doctor, a teacher, a mother at home with your children. When you are in partnership with Holy Spirit, when you are filled with Holy Spirit, and you're in agreement and in partnership, you should be hearing his voice. He's the leader. When you're following him and you're filled with him, you're releasing him. 
a doctor in agreement with Holy Spirit, working in alignment and in, in agreement with him, is moving by the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit in action. The prophetic is no different. It's just a manifestation of him. It's a different manifestation. But we have these religious mindsets that we're like, why are we paying money for the prophetic? And I, I mean, God gave me words about this years ago when he called me into the prophetic ministry. I was so offended. I did not want to do it. I was not one of those that, yay, I'm a prophet called. No, he had to bring me in kicking and screaming. Specifically when he dried up my life financially and kept trying to push me in a direction. And I, I was offended because I, I really kind of grew up in a community where even the word prophet was, was controversial. We weren't called prophets. And I had to, God had to get me over that too. It's in my book. But um, not only the name, but receiving any kind of money for that was so offensive to me. And God had to really, really deal with me on that. It was not easy. And he gave, uh, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was a process. But I'll share one thing that he said to me that broke it off of me, and I never went back. He said, Michelle, if you went to college and got a degree like your mom, who was a psychiatrist, and my mom was gifted as well, and you set up your little office, and people came to you to receive help, would you be okay with charging for that? Would you be okay with receiving money for that? My mom was gifted, but, he, but her calling was as a psychiatrist. She went to college, got the degree, but she saw in agreement with what her occupation was. And I said, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that. When I said it, it was like the Holy Spirit filled me and broke me free of that. So I'm just going to release that to you. I encourage you. Don't take my word for it. Pray about it. Get in the word. Everything is holy. Everything in agreement with Holy Spirit is holy because he is holy. As a pastor, I mean, we've got to get past this. And it's for our sake so that we can be free and move into. I work with, um, okay, and this is the last thing I'm going to say so I can get into the message. I work with um, leaders all over the world, mostly CEOs, business owners, and a lot of them wrestle with the idea that they're not spiritual enough. I'm not, and I know some of you in here feel that way. I'm not spiritual enough or I'm not doing enough for God because I'm actually called into the marketplace. And that is the same spirit that I'm talking about related to the money. It's a deception about what is holy and what is not holy. Whatever God has called you to is holy. Your ministry, your marketplace calling is your ministry. Amen. That's a whole nother message. But it's the same thing. We, we have a wrong idea about what's holy and what's not holy. He is holy. We are holy. Whatever our calling is in him, this is the will of God. You do his will. I talked about that yesterday. I'm, i got to be quieter. I'm going to keep going in a totally different direction. But I just want to leave that, you know, with you guys. The other thing that I want to say to kind of set up what I'm going to talk about is this misunderstanding about, about the prophetic. Because I have a real passion about this. Because I was a gifted child, I went way one direction. God allowed it in my life. Like Moses. Moses spent, he grew up in Pharaoh's house with the magicians. And then God called him out and the same thing happened to me. 
And it took me on a journey when I came to the Lord of like trying to understand what the prophetic is. And there's many things I could talk about, about God's heart for the prophetic. But I just want to say this one thing to you guys, because I actually want to pray for the city of Apopka. But I want to kind of set this up really quick. Just as the prophets in the Old Testament, what was their primary calling? It was to prepare the way of the Lord. It was to prepare the people for the return of, for the first coming of Jesus. We see that in John the Baptist, in the, in the, the, the real um, message, the real call of John the Baptist, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And the manifestation of that looked different for each prophet. But if you read through the prophets and you study the prophets, you see this call, this cry of the prophets to know God. To see God. They were preparing the people for the first return of Jesus. The first coming of Jesus. The prophetic ministry now is the same. That has not changed. And, our, and again, I say our primary call, but that, what that looks like is very... It's, it, there's many manifestations of what that looks like. But our primary call is to prepare the way of the second coming of Jesus. Okay? When is Jesus returning? He's returning when there's a bride that's made ready for him. He's returning for a bride. He's returning for a corporate church who's ready. And that bride is not a beggar. She's not defeated. She's actually walking in confidence of who she is in partnership with him and bringing the kingdom. Amen? Amen. He's returning for a bride that has made herself ready. What does that look like for the, the prophetic ministry? It's to encourage, to edify, to build up a bride so that she can grow. Everything about prophetic ministry is coming in to cause a bride to grow, to be made ready. That's the big picture. And again, many manifestations. That might look one-on-one with me and you and me reminding you of who you are. Every word, every correction, every exhortation, every edification is calling you higher. It's reminding you to come forward into who you are. I had this encounter with the Lord not too long ago, like last year, where I saw the church in this place of worship. And, and the worship was all this like adoration for Jesus. It was like the, the posture of the church was very, very different than what I see now. You know, right now in the church, can I just go there? Right now in the church, we, for the most part, we've made it about us. And I saw in this place of worship, I saw this group, this church, who were just worshiping Jesus, not because of their need, They didn't need encouragement anymore. They didn't need to be pulled forward from this place of defeat, like encouraged to keep going. And that's, listen, it's okay. When you're, you're, you know, 10 months old, when a 10-month-old baby is learning to walk, daddy or mommy has to hold those baby's hands, right, because the legs aren't strong enough. 
And God's not disappointed in us because we're not like, we have not arrived. He's a good, kind father who knows that baby. Let's hold your hands. I'm encouraging you. You can do it. You can walk. That baby falls. Ah, you're okay. Right? It's the same way with us. We're growing. We're growing. And a two-year-old, what is, what is the perspective of a two-year-old? The perspective of a two-year-old, its world is all about that two-year-old, right? That two-year-old temper tantrums because I'm not getting what I want, right? And that two-year-old has to actually grow into learning, oh, the world doesn't revolve around me. Oh, there's other people around. Am I telling the truth? Talk to me, you guys. It's the same way with us. And right now, where we're living, there's this beautiful message that's come out in the church. And I, I have, am on that train. I've, if you listen to any of my teachings, I talk about it all the time. But there's this message, that, this revelation and this message about the love of God, about our calling, about who we are, you know, and, and how much he loves us. And that is the absolute truth, and we need it. We need it. It is truth. It is food for our soul. God loves us. We have a calling. We have a destiny. He is good. He is abundant. Amen? He is not broke. He's not poor. He is rich, and he is gracious. Amen. That is the truth. However, what has sort of inadvertently happened is that we have kind of made it about us. We have, we, have, we have so taken on that message that we have forgotten that there's an invitation to actually love him back. What does that love actually look like? It's not all of heaven. Uh, you know, Jesus is like, it's all about you. From his perspective, it's all about us. It is all about us. He is so focused on us. He is not self-focused at all. Philippians 2 says that. He's the one, the humble one, the God who took on flesh. He considers others better than himself. Can you imagine that? God himself considers you better than himself. Jesus considers you better than himself. I'm telling you the truth, Rita. It is the absolute, that's how humble our God is. So humble. And, and what we've done, he's all focused on us, and then we've become all focused on us. Can you imagine, how many of you are married? Can you imagine that, what that would look like in a marriage? You have a husband or you have a wife that's like, I adore you. It's all about you. How can I serve you? What can I do for you? And you're like, yeah, I know. It's all about me. Let me tell you what you can do for me. How do you think that's going to go over? Because this, 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 this Ephesians 5 says, it's a prophecy. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died and gave himself up for her. Wives, respect your husbands, giving him the honor that's due, right? What's happening in the natural in marriages 
is the same picture of Christ in the church. And we need to love each other in marriages the same way that Christ loves the church. And right now, our relationship with Jesus is very much, we've made it very much about us. Do we ever stop to think, Jesus, how are you doing today? How can I serve you? What's going on in your heart? Because when you do that in a natural relationship, what happens? You build connection. You have healthy relationship with one another where you're serving one another. Where your focus and your goal is on the other one. How do I bring you forward? God, what are you doing? I mean, husbands and wives, your perspective, your question, God, how are you bringing my spouse forward? And how can I partner with you in doing that? To serve each other, love each other, bring each other forward. That's what it's about. And Jesus with us before the Father, that's what he's doing. This is my bride. He loves us. He adores us. He's bringing us forward. He's praying for us. And do we ever stop to say, Jesus, what's on your heart? How can I serve you? How can I love you? This isn't even my message. But this is something I feel that I hear this. PG said, what do you hear the spirit saying to the church? And he's saying many things. But I have wept over this with his heart. I want my bride to love me. I'm looking for a bride who will love me. And everywhere I go, I can't help it. Even when he gives me something else, that comes out. Because I live and breathe to see his bride love him because I've tasted that little piece of his heart where he's longing, he desires. We talked about this yesterday, that John 17, where Jesus said, Father, I desire that those whom you have given me, wait, let's stop. Jesus, Father, I desire. Jesus has deep, deep desire that those whom you had given me would be with me where I am, that they would behold my glory. He has desire for us, deep, deep desire, and us coming into this place of mature love. We're just like he calls husbands and wives that we would partner that way with him. We're in partnership. We're in co-laboring with him to see the earth restored, the earth prepared for his return. And that's setting up kind of what I want to talk about. I want to read this to you guys, Romans 8. Romans 8, let's just start in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not, are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters, sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The land itself is locked in the same hope. Listen. 
For we know that a whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. This is the return of Jesus. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, but he who hopes, but for hope for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So the earth, the land, Apopka, and wherever you're from, is subjected in the same hope as you, the redemption of all things, the return of Jesus. And the land that you're on right now is groaning for you to know who you are. This thing that I'm talking about, this mature love, this growing up in him to become who he says you are. The land where you are is groaning because it is subjected in this hope. The land is subjected to you. God did that in the beginning, right? He subjected land to you. The land is subjected to you. But it's locked up in this hope with you. It's groaning for you to first see God. Because do you know how you're changed? We talked about this yesterday. You'll have to get the recording. I think it'll be available because I don't have time to go into it. But you are changed as you see him. How many of you have tried to change yourself? How many of you feel like, I need to change? (laughs) How many of you would say, I don't quite look like Jesus right now? I've got good news for you. You can stop trying to change. Just stop. It doesn't work. Just going to release some freedom right here. What does uh, 2 Corinthians say? As we behold him, we become like him and we're changed into his image from glory to glory to glory to glory. Your change comes by seeing him. And when you see him, you become like him and you begin to walk into that Ephesians 2 calling good works that have been prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. So many people are running around trying to figure out their calling. Who am I? What am I called to do? I'm like, stop. And this is kind of really the theme of my book too. I talk about how God brought me into, I'm walking in my calling, not the fullness. There's a whole lot more for me, but how he actually taught me this and brought me into this. There's a rest for the people of God that as we see him and we make him our goal and we make him our aim and we love him and we see who he is, there's a change that begins to happen on the inside of us. Awakening begins to happen on the inside of us. And actually, we, we begin to find ourselves in places and doing what he's actually called us to do. We don't have to figure it out. And I don't, and I don't have time to develop that out. I want to make this, the, the precedence, though, that we're changed by seeing him. And I actually talk about this um, in my book. 
something that I really learned on my journey, not once, but over and over and over, I began to, to discover this about his ways. Because this is what I want to tell you guys today. When we understand his ways, we'll accelerate. But we, we don't really understand his ways. We, we, I mean, we do to small degrees, but my heart here is just like, again, that prophetic ministry to prepare the way of the Lord for his second coming so that wherever I am, I can deposit something where people understand something about God that we can grow and move forward in advance. And God is after our sanctification. That's how we're prepared. We're sanctified, right? Glory to glory to glory. This is how we advance. And I learned this. I'm going to give you a quote, one of my favorite quotes that I say all the time. God leads us into storms. He does it. And I'm going to read you a scripture in a minute. It's Matthew Matthew 14 that you kept saying, Matthew 14, Matthew 14. (laughs) God leads us into storms. Let that sink in a minute. God leads us into storms and lands with giants to show us who he is so we can become who we already are. Because as we see him, we become like him and we need to see him. And again, I talked about this over the weekend. How would Israel know God was a deliverer if they didn't need deliverance? Go read it in Exodus. When God goes to send Moses, he says, My people have known me as the mighty God, but they haven't yet known me as Lord. Therefore, I'm going to send you in, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to send you in and I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so the nations will see my miracles. And the same thing happens to us today. The same thing. And we quite, when we don't understand what he's after, when we don't understand that he's after you being prepared for, for a man who's returning to the earth to take you as his own, when we don't understand the big picture, when we don't have eternal perspective, we live in the temporary realm. We live based on how I feel right now. It's about how I feel, and I got to feel better. It's not biblical. We let our feelings and our emotions lead us. God gave us emotions, as PG said, for a purpose to encounter God, to encounter each other. But emotions should never be our leader. Never, ever. The heart is deceitful above all things. Do not let your emotions lead you. And for me, I talk about this. um, Oh, man. I don't know what chapter it's in. Um, I had the place marked. Um, nine. <laughs> Joel knows. Oh, there it is. I do have it marked. God had sent me somewhere, and this happened to me several times because he was working a message in me. And I want you guys to think about your own lives with this. God sent me somewhere. I actually was at the height of favor in my life, the height of ministry. God, I was, I, I was in a ministry. I was running the prophetic department. I had great favor. Um, everything was happy. 
I was a beloved daughter, favor, everything. And he whispers to me, will you leave? Will you follow me? I'm like, whoa. Listen, this will happen to you, but if we don't understand his ways, we won't think it's his voice. Or we follow the voice of self-preservation. Not knowingly, not knowing that it's self-preservation, the root of fear, self-preservation. I've got to worry about my life. What about me? What about my comfort? What about my money? What about my position? What about this? What about that? What about this? It's called self-preservation. Recognize that spirit. Recognize that voice in your life, and you will advance a whole lot quicker. And I was in that moment, and I was like, I knew I had a choice. And our choices, man, have huge consequences. We all know that, right? And he's like, go. And I was like, I knew his voice. I knew it was him. And I even went to my leaders, and they said, we bless you to go, but listen. Keep your position. I had several assistants at the time. They said, put your assistants in place. Let them run things. You'll come back. You'll have your position. Everything will be fine. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I knew the Lord was calling me to go, to leave it, to permanently lead it, leave it. And the, and the Lord had highlighted to me Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. The father had an inheritance for his son. But Satan came to tempt him with an easier way. You don't need to go that way. You don't need to go the way of suffering. You don't need to go that narrow road. Let's go the broad road. Narrow is the way that leads to life, by the way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are few who find the way of life. That's, those are Jesus' words, not my words. And I was in this holy moment where I was like, wow, what am I going to choose? Am I going to choose my reputation? Am I going to choose my position? Am I going to choose security? Or am I going to follow his voice not knowing the future? And I chose that way. Everyone thought I was crazy. What are you doing? Don't you know you have the, this ministry name backing you? Don't you know the things you can get in, the doors that will open for you with this ministry backing name? Man's ways. God was bringing me into this place where I trusted solely in him, his ability to open doors, his ability to lead me, his ability to do what he wanted to do, not man. There's a man's wisdom that just twists everything, it twists the voice of God. So I went, and I went, and let me tell you, it freaking, A, it fell apart. I, I went to Africa, went to Israel, got in a car accident, had a severe head injury. I was in and out of the hospital. You know, every week I was in the hospital. I mean, it, the, you know what, hit the fan. And I hit this place where I was like, God. And I knew in my heart he didn't, but the enemy was accusing God to me. God's abandoned you. Or, I'll tell you something the enemy does when you follow God, just like Israel did out of Egypt, what happened when they believed the prophet, when they believed the prophetic word, when they believed the voice of Jesus, it got worse, didn't it, for Israel? Pharaoh increased their workload. 
the comforts of Egypt no longer existed, right? And we hear their testimony. It was better for us back there. You let us out to this? Listen to me. This is your life I'm talking about. When you truly follow Jesus, and I'm going to tell you why he does this. Remember the quote that I said, God leads you into storms and lands with giants to show you who he is so you can become who you already are. It's about his name. It's about you encountering him and seeing him. That's why you were born. It's why you're alive. It's why you're here. It's the big picture. It's not about you getting the promotion or the bigger job or the bigger house or the more comfort. So I can, it's such a limited perspective. It's not why you were born. Stop trying to figure out your calling. He can lead you into it. I mean, the crap hit the fan and I'm like, God has abandoned me. And I didn't get it right away. And and you'll have to read the rest of this story in the book. But what I discovered was this reality that I actually want to read to you um, out of Matthew 14. And this is like, I'll tell you, when you get this, you'll see this all over the word. I mean, it happened with Jesus in the wilderness. It happened with Joseph. It happened with David. It happened to, I mean, it, it, it happened to Job. Good grief. It's his ways. It's what he does. And I talk to so many people that are like, because they have this mindset that when I get saved and I follow Jesus, it's all going to be roses and happy and I'm not going to have pain and suffering. It's not biblical, you guys. we got to get back to simple gospel. You weren't saved for you, yes, but you weren't saved to live for you. There's an eternal perspective that we need to have. We need to understand the big storyline that you're in. It's not about the chapter. It's about the book, about what he's doing. God thinks eternal. We have to stop thinking temporal. We have to stop thinking our little 80 years here, right? We're here today. We're gone tomorrow, but there's a bigger picture, and it's about you being sanctified. It's about you knowing a man. It's about the heart of God in the garden, I want communion. Let us make man in our image, male and female. We'll put them in a garden. Let them have communion and then give them dominion. But we talk about dominion. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray, you know, okay, it's all right. It's good. But there's more. And what happens is when we follow God out somewhere and the crap hits the fan, we're kind of like, and this is what I hear from people more than anything. Two things. Maybe I didn't hear God. Or what did I do wrong? So because we don't understand God and we don't understand his ways, we become vulnerable to the accusation of the enemy. So I know people who are stuck for years and years on this. I didn't hear God. So they stop following God because they don't trust themselves. They don't trust their ability to hear God, which you shouldn't do anyway. Trust your ability to, his, to, to follow, not your ability to hear. Trust his ability to speak, not your ability to listen. We put trust in ourselves. So what am I doing wrong? How many of you are like right now in situations that are saying, God, what have I done wrong? Or God, maybe I never heard you. 
You told me to go, go do this and everything's falling apart. Matthew 14. How much time do I have, PG? Is my time up already? Holy moly. Okay. I'll do this quick. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So Jesus is sending them somewhere, right? While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So Jesus sends them somewhere. Get this. Was Jesus surprised at the storm? No, he's God. He knew what he was sending them into. He sent them into a storm. And he left them. He went up to the mountain and said, you go. <laughs> get, that. You're like, get that. You'll see this all over the word. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And this is what I experienced in my story. And I'm telling you, you guys have experienced this as well. Maybe you just don't know it. Jesus will come to us. He sends us somewhere and he'll come to us in a way we don't recognize him. And you see this all throughout the word, all through the gospels. How many times did Jesus show up and the disciples didn't recognize it was him? He comes in a different form. And I'm telling you, he's prophesying something about that. He showed up to Mary as the gardener. Why? Why didn't they recognize Jesus when he came and he was cooking breakfast on the beach? On the road to Emmaus, he does this all the time. He's doing it in your life. He shows up in a way where we don't recognize him. He's after something when he does that. He's wanting you to see something about him that you have not yet seen. And when he does that, usually the first thing that comes up, I mean, in this scripture, it was like, it's a ghost, and fear hit them. Usually that's the same thing that happens to us. We become afraid. He sends us somewhere, and we're like, where are you, Jesus? Did you leave me? No, he didn't leave you. You just don't recognize him in this place yet. He's showing you something new about him, and here's why. Because when you see something new about him, it awakens something new in you. That's what he's after. He knows how to bring us forward into love. So in this story, I'm going to hurry it up. And in this story, it was a ghost and they were afraid. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. If we, how many times do we read about that in the, in the book where Jesus says over and over, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's I, it's me, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him. I love Peter. I relate a lot to Peter. Lord, if it is you, command me to, to come to you on the water. <laughs> I could say a lot about that, but I'm going to keep going. You read the book. I'm promoting the book. Can you tell not because I want to sell books. You don't make money writing books. I want to see you encounter Jesus in a new way. 
Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save us. Again, the same thing happens to us. What is in our root system? What do we know about him? Because what you know about him will keep you rooted in a storm. In that place, Peter had faith. He made a moment, he made a choice. He said, okay, Lord, if it's you, call me. He had faith, but he didn't have a root system enough to know this about Jesus that sustained him walking on that water. But Jesus said, come, and he came, and he, what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus, and he looked around. He looked at the wind. He looked at external circumstances. We cannot be people who just gaze at circumstances. We cannot let circumstances define who God is to us. We have to keep our eyes on him in moments like that. Keep our gaze focused on him, right? So he begins to sink, and I love the kindness of Jesus. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So there were a couple things going on in this story. One, the thing that they saw about Jesus, Peter saw about Jesus, he saw this fearless one, the fearless one, walking on water. And it awakened this fearlessness in Peter to say, huh, I'm not afraid. Call me, Jesus, to come out. And every single time, and I just want to read this one thing I write in the book about this. I'm just going to read this paragraph. Peter saw this fearless one and awakened fearlessness in him. As Peter stepped out of the boat and encountered the waves, the fear he had on the inside of him was revealed. Fear is never conquered by one act of faith. Fear is conquered as we continue to trust and step out. When we do, we grow more and more in the revelation of who he is. With every act of faith in a storm, we see his perfect love and know that he can be trusted. This process is important. This is the place, listen to this, this is a place where we not only discover more of who he is, but also who we are. The more storms you walk through, and if you follow him, okay, you have to follow him into it. The more storms you walk through, the more you discover that you also have authority to calm the waves. He's called you to have authority over storms, right? But right now we can't even follow him into a storm. You, you're not going to grow in authority over a storm if you can't find peace. If you can't find him in a storm, you're not going to walk in the authority to calm that storm. I don't care how much you pray and shout and scream. You won't. It won't sustain you in a storm. We come into the truth of who we are by going through it. Going through this place, we come alive. We were made for this. We were not made to play it safe. 
And I talk about how you can't watch, you can't hear about other people going through storms for you to grow in your authority to calm a storm. You can't watch the storm. You can't hear the sound of, I have authority. You've got to become this. You have to become it, you guys. This is God's ways to do this, to bring you through so you see him and you're like, hey, I'm the fearless one. You're fearless. I'm fearless. I talked yesterday about Psalm 2 with the group. I was like, listen, when you see Jesus, he's that, the Psalm 2 one, he's seated on the throne. He's laughing at his enemies. It says the nations are raging and we see him seated on the throne laughing. He's not worried. He's not anxious, right? He's really confident in his plan. Why are we anxious and worried about things? But when you see that one seated, laughing about everything going on, he's not concerned, you guys. He's not worried about your calling. He's not worried about what's going on with you. And he wants you to enter that peace with him. Because as you grow in that, and you're like, this storm doesn't have the authority that I think it does. I'm not afraid of dying anymore. I'm not afraid of this storm. Something happens on the inside of us, just like Jesus wants to bring us into where we're like, be still. I'm not fretting. I'm not anxious. I'm not, God, save me. Look, we start there. But he wants us to grow, you guys. He wants us to grow. He's coming back for a bride who is confident in him. She's confident in his love and she knows who she is. She's co-laboring. She's not like, Jesus, you calm the storm. He wants you to know who you are. He wants you to know that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Peace be still to that storm. That's our journey, you guys. It's who you are. You were made for this. This is the story you jumped into. This is what you signed up for. So I want you to remember that. And I just, if you guys, if this message resonates with you, I just want to pray for you. We're not going to do another altar call or anything. I just want you to stand and I just want to bless you and just uh, pray grace for you. So just open up your hands like you're just receiving a gift. I'm going to pray grace. I'm going to pray grace for you to go through. I'm going to play, pray, not play. You can play it too. I'm going to pray grace for you to arise, to arise. And I want you guys to agree with me. Even before I do that, I almost forgot. Just agree with me. And I just want to bless right now the city of Apopka. I bless this land. We bless this land. The Lord, you know, the land, every, every, city, region, nations are almost like individuals in the sense that they have redemptive callings and gifts. God has purpose over regions and cities and nations and lands, just like you have gifts and redemptive callings. And if you're, if you're, God has placed you, the Bible says, God places people in certain cities and regions for a reason. And what you're doing in a region is very connected with the redemptive callings and gifts that are also in a land. So when you bless the land, you will prosper in the land God sent you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're blessing yourself. You're blessing God. You're in agreement with the land. It's very biblical. I'm not being super weird. 
I even talk about in the book how God revealed that to me in an encounter, a powerful encounter with the land that I had. But Lord, we bless Apopka right now. As we, you bless Apopka, you're blessing Jesus and you're blessing yourself. We speak life to this land in the name of Jesus. We bless you. Those that are on this land, we bless you. We speak peace to you. We call you forward into who you are. Yesterday, I saw the banner over Apopka, restoration of this city. And we say everything that God has put in you, we call you forward into who you are. We speak life, 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 life to the land here in the name of Jesus. We say no plan of the enemy will prosper over this land. But we speak an acceleration into the purposes and the plans of God. <laughs> Bless you. Bless this land. And right now, just open up your hands. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you for grace. So grace comes at the revelation of Jesus. We need grace. Grace comes at the revelation of Jesus. And we've had revelation of Jesus. We've had revelation of his ways today. And there's grace available for this word. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for that grace right now for each one who's feeling defeated, for each one who's weary, for each one who's tired, for those in this group or even listening to my voice that feel like they've stepped out where they believed you and it got hard and they're saying, God, did I ever hear you? I break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a restoration of relationship with you and trusting your voice, Jesus. I just, I say no to that lie. The liar's voice is broken today over you. In Jesus' name, and I say arise again and go forward. For those who are just in the midst of warfare, where the enemy's taking advantage of them because they followed you out into a storm, we speak peace to that storm right now in the name of Jesus. We, I bless you to find him. I bless you to see him right now. I bless you to see the fearless one. I bless you to see the one who's laughing. I bless you to see the one who's at rest in the name of Jesus. I bless you to come forward. I say, arise, 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 RCC, arise, the city of Apopka. Everyone in this room, I bless the bride. I say, get up. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise and shine and see who he is. Grace, 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 grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.